Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Keen Gamer podcast. I'm your host for today, Max, and I'm joined here in the virtual studio by Tristan and Ben. Why don't you guys say hi real quick? Hey, dude, Hello. how's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's good, I think. Uh, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about today. Uh, we've got a few few news pieces to kick off with, and then we're going to be digging into the meat of today's show, which is going to be talk- talking about accessibility in games and what it is and how it works and perhaps what the future holds in store. But first, the news. Uh, so first, f- first point we've got here uh, on the list, uh, Niantic, who lots of us will know as the creators of Pokemon Go, uh, have recently been tapped to make a Pikmin augmented reality game, which is going to release this year, apparently. And I've got a uh, an article on Polygon open here. Uh, it all sounds quite exciting to me because I'm I'm a big fan of Pikmin. I think that they're re- really really good games, and it seems like the kind of thing that could work quite well as an AR game as well. Because there's already this sense in those games of like they well they don't necessarily take place in the real world, but uh, there's this sense of like the like all all all, all the artifacts and things from real life and thinks it doesn't seem too far-fetched to kind of transplant Pikmin uh, into your kind of everyday life. Um, And obviously Niantic have seen a huge amount of success with Pokemon Go and uh, the precursor to that Ingress. So I think it, I think the idea definitely has legs. What do you guys think, Tristan? Yeah, it's funny because I actually have, uh, I'm I'm probably gonna get changed for this. I've never played a Pikmin game. Uh, I think I played like two minutes of one on the GameCube or whatever, but I, it's nothing I've ever touched before. Um, I didn't get on the whole Pokemon Go uh, craze, um, which is still huge. Like people like mm. sure it's not in the mainstream anymore, but it's still like their player base is very high. I don't know. Well, maybe because of the pandemic, I don't know what the numbers are like now. I know they did make some changes so people can play at home and be safe and whatnot but i think it's super interesting i i i'm curious to see what they do to step up the technology of it because it's like pokemon go huge success all this stuff but now how do they take that ar technology and amp it up and take it kind of to the next evolution and just kind of change it up and whatnot i'll be very curious to see how that goes and yeah, especially if they throw in the marketing of, hey, we made Pokemon Go and people go, oh, really? Okay, we'll play this, you know. So yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a huge success. I don't know necessarily if it'll match up to Pokemon Go because that was just, that was so crazy when that came out, you know, so mm. I don't know about that. But yeah, it, yeah it's, it's super it, interesting. It, yeah, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard, hard to imagine that any subsequent game will quite live up to the, the uh, huge impact that Pokemon Go had isn't it? Like it seemed, seems like it was something of a flash in the pan because everyone was like, whoa, holy crap. Mm-hmm. There's this AR game and there's Pokemon and now they're everywhere. Like, the novelty hasn't exactly worn off because as you said, like it's still got a huge player base, but I feel like it's going to be difficult to replicate that, that scale of success. But they, they are clearly a very talented and dedicated de- development team. So I reckon Pikmin is in safe hands. What 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 about you, Ben? What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, um, what's his name? Mike McWhorter, the the uh, writer of the Polygon article, actually highlighted something that the uh, 
head of Niantic Tokyo Studio said, which is, it's going to be very different from Pokemon <laughs> Go, which is just the quote on the uh, Tetsuya Nomura, not Tetsuya, Tatsuyo. Tetsuya mm. Nomura, I think, is Nintendo guy. Tatsuya Nomura is the head of Niantic Tokyo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he actually said on Twitter, yeah, it's going to be super different, um, which I think's interesting. I, I, in my mind, if it's Pikmin, Tristan, you should play Pikmin 3. It's very good. Um, if it's Pikmin, it's not going to be like Pokemon Go. It can't be the same kind of thing. And I don't, I think Pokemon Go, I think no, nothing has the kind of cachet of Pokemon where it can cross the barriers of, I don't play games, but I know Pokemon. I like Pokemon. Whereas mm. Pikmin is very, very niche. Even, even for video game players, like a lot of people who were Nintendo fans haven't played a Pikmin. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah. I, find, I think Nintendo do weird things. And I think this is another one of those weird things. Hopefully it's a proper sign of like working with Niantic more because Pokemon Go is huge. And I loved it. I really think Pokemon Go is great. Obviously, I don't really play it anymore, but I, there's the first year it was out was amazing. I went on a big two-month trip around Europe uh, summer after I finished school, and I, I played Pokemon Go for way too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of money on this great trip, exploring the, all these different tourist sites, and I was also thinking, oh, there's a Charizard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I'd love to see it. Uh, Niantic, didn't they do the, the Wizards Unite, the Harry Potter AR yes, game, which yeah, yeah. fell flat pretty quickly? I don't think anybody I know into that and i know people who like harry potter so um yeah hopefully yeah. Th- this is because i'm sure it was a good game it just didn't hit in the right way hopefully niantic can kind of have another success here i like the idea that it's probably a bit more of a casual kind of springtime feel to it like pikmin has a lot mm. of greens a lot of kind of like natural beauty and i think yeah. they could bring that in being like if you're looking for a certain type of pikmin like a rock pikmin is going to be nearer the street and the Green Pikmin's going to be in the gardens or in the forest, like things like that. You can mm, see where mm. they could go with it, and I think it could be interesting at least. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, as as uh, Nomura says in the article, like it, it's it's going to be very very different from Pokemon Go, not just because like they are going to feel the need to do something different, but also like the mechanics are going to have to be because you don't have the same sort of like gotta catch them all thing mm-hmm. that pokemon does like they, they're going to have to do different yeah. things with it and i'll be really interested to see what they end up doing you know? and there's only a, only a few dozen pikmin so if it was catch yeah. them all you'd be done pretty quick gotta catch them all oh okay i caught them all <laughs> i'll get well, the time of the day the time, thing I'm time, also, time, uh, time to go back to harry potter wizards unite the thing i'm also interested is to see how it performs because i think I think it will do well just because of the success of Pokemon Go. But like you said, they have had some failures here and there, like Harry Potter and stuff like that. Mm. And Harry Potter is a huge, you know, IP. And the fact that that didn't pick up um, and Pikmin is niche, I would be curious to see how well it performs. I'm sure they're setting their standards a little bit lower than Pokemon Go just because they're like, all right, non-gamers have no idea what Pikmin is, you know? Yeah. And, And gamers... Uh, probably, you know, some gamers probably haven't even touched one of these games or played very little and stuff like that. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. And you said it's coming out this year too. Uh, apparently, yeah, they they um they've slated a 2021 launch uh, well, for it wow. at, at some point. But I'm just I gonna guess, say here, you know, we'll... don't be surprised if it gets delayed because yeah, uh, development and a pandemic has been hell. Everything's getting delayed. So yeah. Uh, Huge asterisks next to that 2021. 
Yeah, the intentions are good, but the reality may be muddled. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's a Pikmin AR game coming sometime. Uh, next, we've got some very sad news for Sony fans across the board. Uh, the, the online stores for PS3, Vita, and the PSP are going to be permanently closing this summer. Uh, now, I, I, I was never much of a Sony lad. I was brought up on Nintendo and then kind of switched over to more P- PC gaming. And now I'm kind of dabbling a bit more in Nintendo again. But this this uh, is quite a big deal, I think. Like the, well, not even the, pre- the previous generation now, but the previous but one generation, P- P- PS3 and their, uh, and Sony's handheld offerings, the, v- the Vita and the PSP, you're no longer going to be able to download new software and stuff for them going forward which feels like a very kind of closing the book on those consoles kind of move doesn't it um so we've got the the psp and the ps3 stores which are going to be closed on july the 2nd which incidentally is my birthday that's a terrible birthday present sony but wow carry on uh, and then the P- ps vita store is going to stay open for a little while longer uh, before closing on august the 27th so if any of you out there are looking to uh, download any games or software for your long dormant PlayStation Vita, now now's the time. Go go and go and buy and download them before it's too late. Are you guys big Sony fellas, or uh, does this not really mean that much to you? <laughs> well, for me, it's like it's it's weird because like I. I am a huge PlayStation player. Um, I'm both PlayStation and PC as my primary uh, platforms, but I didn't get really into PlayStation. I, I was into the PS2 and then I skipped the handheld stuff and I skipped the PS3. Um, and then I got back on with the PS4 and now I have the PS5. So it is, it, you know, it sucks for anyone who, like, for that market, you know, even though that market is probably very small at this point. But, mm. you know, people still carry on to their systems for a really long time. I don't think it's very surprising, though, because um, Jim Ryan has even said, has even said like publicly, and I don't remember what the interview was, where it was, but I am guarantee you, you could easily find this. It's, you know, you have Google, the power of Google to help find it. But he's even saying like how he just doesn't really care for old games. Like, I think he was like, he was seeing some showcase or something like that with some old PlayStation games, like PlayStation, like one or two, or maybe even some three stuff. Um, and he was just like, man, who would play this? This just looks bad and what and looks dated and whatnot. And it's like, he just doesn't care. I think he's looking just to, t- towards the future. And so mm. I think in that sense, it's not very surprising, but at the same time, time what does it mean for the future in terms of preserving things and um you know to preserving games and preserving services and stuff like that i think it's it does leave a big kind of question mark for the future of like all right well are they just going to eventually shut down the ps you know ps4 uh you know like store and like platform and stuff like that in a few years you know which would be a huge shock um mm. but at the same time maybe if we get to the ps6 or 7 and they do that it won't be as surprising but it does leave a, a huge question for the future of not only their platforms like their previous platforms and stuff like that as things move forward but also what do other you know like other studio heads you know phil spencer and 
the Bowser guy at Nintendo are going to be uh, going to be seeing that, you know, they pay attention to the industry and they see that, you know, like what, what's going through their heads, what's going through the other executives and stuff like that. heads when they see stuff like that. I think it'll be interesting moving forward and see if this means something for the future, or maybe it's just one of those things that's just going to happen and we're looking way too into it. So yeah, who knows, but that's kind of just my read on it. Yeah, uh, I, it's, I think it's, 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 um, Oh, sorry. I, I think no, it's no, no, really no, worrying. It, yeah, I, 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 you don't really have to worry about like God of War, Uncharted, things like that. Obviously, they're going to exist and and they'll come over in some form eventually, or they already are. But I don't know. Did you guys ever play like Loco Roco on the PSP or something? Great game, really, really amazing. Japanese made. I can't remember the name of the developer or really anything about it other than I loved it. Mm. Where's that going to be? And if I want to play that. And also, like, I don't know, I've got a Series X, and if I want to, I can just play Fusion Frenzy right now. That's an Xbox, original Xbox game. So I don't care what they do with that console because it exists on the new ones. Mm. So they can do what they want with that. I think PlayStation and Nintendo both have a serious problem with preservation. Wanting to play Fusion Frenzy doesn't lead to a very long play session, let me tell you. It's, it's a great game, but I still would rather play the new Assassin's Creed or something, because like, I think it looks beautiful. But I think it's really important to, to hold on to things, to preserve things, to understand that these things can just disappear forever, which is pretty scary. Yeah. Justin has his hand oh, up. I just wanted to correct uh, Ben. You, you didn't remember the studio. It was Japan Studio that made that game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent game. And I don't know where that will be. I don't know if it's already on different services on PlayStation because I haven't been on PlayStation for a couple of years. Mm, who knows? But, like, I, I I was just thinking about that game when I saw this news story and thinking, oh, yeah, I'd love to play that. I'm not going to buy a PSP just before the store closes and buy it, though. So, yeah, yeah. And that, that concerns me. I don't know. I, I'm, I think what uh, Jim Ryan also said in that same quote was that it's something that is much requested but not often used. And that's that's true, yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not important. Most yeah. video game players want to play the new thing, sure. But I don't know. I think these things are important, and they can lead to big gains. Like Xbox has seen it already with their like. I'm playing Dishonored One, the original, right now, and it's at 60 FPS because of all of their backwards compatible teams work, and they're so focused yeah. on it. And that that's a benefit for Xbox, and but it also means that they can keep this legacy of games kind of safe. Like I think about it with Nintendo all the time, all these strange games that just don't exist. Like you could have played them on the Wii or the DS, but you can't play them on the Switch. Mm. And then as those stores close, you know what I mean? It's just, what if I want to play that? It just doesn't exist anywhere. And in in 40 years time, how do we even tell people it was real? (laughs) You know what I mean? Thank God for ROM hacks. You know what I mean? That's a horrifyingly act existential thought <laughs> yeah. just like in, in a few decades time we'll just be lo- 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 looking back on all these weird games and be like is that just a fever dream mm. weird but yeah have I, some I, lost I... planet 2 deniers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's 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 funny you bring up N- nintendo because like they definitely have a complex relationship with with game preservation i think because like there's a there, there, there's a ton of uh NES and Super Nintendo games that you can play on the Switch now uh, through the um, sw- through a Switch Online mem- mem- membership. But you're right; like it's not everything, and like 
they're, they're also notoriously litigious, I think, com- coming down on people who who make rum hacks like 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 say and like emulation sites and things like that. Like they really bring the hammer down on anyone who is like try, trying to fill the gap that they're creating by not preserving their back catalogue in a meaningful way, which is... Well, good thing very, they're not very, very on the PC platform. Imagine if Nintendo hopped on the PC train. Man, they'd have oh, a tough man. time because the mining community would just give them a headache. <laughs> they, they, yeah. would, they would have DRM for days. <laughs> God. But the... Um... I think like yeah, the the Switch Online is like a handful of Nintendo games. It's a drop in the ocean. Mm. Like it, there was a, a version of Super Mario Bros. on Wii, I think. Don't quote me on this. Um, where somebody looked at the code and how, and how it was put together, and everyone was like ninety percent sure it was from a ROM of something that was on a ROM hack site that mm. Nintendo had then utilized to fill in gaps in their own code. <laughs> and there's a really good video about it in depth, like make tells the truth about it all if you know what i mean i may be over exaggerating slightly but if there's any truth in that then there's proof that nintendo has found a massive benefit from the fact that that exists yeah and and the reality is nintendo's not making any money off of 90 percent of its back catalog and i i understand they have every right to protect it but they also need to make sure they preserve it properly and mm. there's been evidence to suggest that they're not and that these things aren't looked after and the institutions like um, I've forgotten Frank Safaldi's institution for game preservation like that, they need to be bigger. They need to get more funding and they need to get support from big game developers. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on, on a, on a slightly different note, but still on the same story. Uh, so the closing of the PSP and the PS Vita stores, and obviously the discontinuation of those consoles means that Sony's effect- effectively out of the handheld mar- mar- market now. Do you guys think they'll a- they'll ever venture back in or uh, do you think they'll be st- sticking to home consoles for for the foreseeable future? Soon. I, yeah, I think, I think they, they... Switch is like over-dominated. I think it's probably scared everybody away. Yeah, it's kind of sewn it all up, hasn't it? The handheld market. Yeah, and they, they have their their whole goals and whatnot of what they want to do and like really are focusing on in terms of like really impressive single player story driven games are pushing tech um, and pushing storytelling and video games and stuff like that and i think they gave their college try of handhelds and stuff like that it's mm-hmm. like okay i remember the psp being like oh yeah that was really cool and stuff like that and then when the vita came out i knew it wasn't on my radar it just people were talking about the vita i'm like do you mean the psp and i was very confused for like <laughs> i'm not joking it must have been a couple of years the psp because it's like <laughs> that thing just tanked you know yeah, uh, and I think that's what soured it for them. And honestly, mm. they don't need it. Sony does not need the handheld market. You know, at least for yeah. now. Maybe they could always go back to it in a few years or whatever, and maybe things will be different then for them. But yeah, for now, it's hey, PS 5s killing it. You know, obviously there mark there's shortages and stuff like that, but it's still selling well. You know, the actual numbers are really good, and mm. the games are selling like really well and stuff like that. So you know, they they don't need it. Yeah, and also yeah, they're looking could... into um, PC and stuff like that. Like more um, PlayStation games are coming to PC and stuff like that. So they're looking at that market. So I think if they just kind of spread themselves a little bit, you know, and they look at different markets and whatnot, I think it'll it'll be fine. And honestly, 
it's hard to compete with Nintendo on the uh, the whole handheld thing. They just they have, they have that locked down. They've had it locked down for forever. So it's hard to <laughs> hard to walk into that room and try and uh, put up a fight against that. Yeah, yeah. I think one possibility of something that we might see, and so so Sony, as I understand it, hasn't really ventured as much into this sphere as other big companies like Microsoft and Google, of course. But like with the improvements in mobile technology, um, like phone, 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 phones and stuff, um, and uh, things like game streaming services, and like a big se- selling point of those is like, oh, you can play like God of War on your phone uh, or whatever. Like we, we, like I, I feel there's a po- there's a possibility we might be seeing Sony kind of maybe dipping their toes into that particular pool, like not dedicating themselves to like uh, uh just like a solely handheld console or even some some mm. some some something like the switch which is a hybrid but like maybe putting some resources into the kind of mobile gaming arena and seeing if they can yeah well they have playstation now which is their cloud gaming subscription service or whatever mm, so it's yeah. like they could branch that into that realm of oh hey you can play doom on your phone or play yeah you know last of us or god of war or whatever so stuff like that so yeah i think that's a possibility especially since they already have at least their toes dipped into that world and they could expand especially when competing against microsoft and whatnot we've seen them make some moves that have been vaguely similar to some moves that microsoft's been doing and so it's okay i I see what i see what you're doing sony so (laughs) sony did make a deal with microsoft to utilize azure cloud maybe a year and a half two years ago i don't know how long ago yeah yeah um i think like ps now for what it's worth is is a great service and i think playstation needs to move quickly on what they're going to do next for their service side of things uh, with it way xbox is moving or microsoft is moving i don't think they'd put a handheld out but they do probably are thinking as a japanese company how do we claw back some market share in japan because then the switch is completely dominated Mm. I'm sure they'll be looking at ways to do that, but I also am sure that they're more than happy with winning the home console war versus Xbox, and which yeah. by all reports they still are. So, um, well, they definitely are. Um, <laughs> so, like, I think they're probably happy with that, but they must be thinking about ways to get some market share back in Japan, and mm. handhelds a big part of that. But then again, like, you look at it, and the new Monster Hunter is only on Switch. <laughs> and Dragon Quest comes to Switch. Like, if they can start yeah. snapping things like they got Dragon Quest a year early on PlayStation, if they could turn that into a way of saying you can play it a year early and it can be on your phone, that could be a good way for them to get yeah. back some could turn some the tides. players. Well, I know yeah. that Microsoft's yeah. really trying to do that too. They've made a huge push to try and get really established themselves as in Japan because while PlayStation, yeah. they're well established in Japan and like Eastern countries and stuff like that, but Microsoft, like Xbox, really is pretty much like a Western world type of gaming console and platform. You know, uh, they've it they've even really well in China as well. Yeah, that was really yeah. well in China. But Japan, they just it just doesn't oh, resonate, yeah. you know, um, as much. So I know they've pushed a lot of that, and I know with XCloud and being able to play games on your phone, so like that really helps a lot. Because man, the mobile gaming scene in uh, Japan is just it's crazy and i think most americans at least you know 
as speaking as an American, I think most Americans don't really realize that. I don't know how much about for you Europeans, but in America, I, I think the average person does not realize how huge it really is over there. So it's just yeah, I think gaming. it's probably pretty similar here. Yeah, yeah probably. A bunch of white people don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new we don't there. Know what's up? <laughs> also, um, before we leave that story, I just want to give a shout out to Kirk McKeon, who got the report on that for The Gamer. His tagline for that was Hasta la Vita, baby. Which hey, is just that is very awesome. good. <laughs> 11 out of that. 10, huge dad energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, to, in fact, circle back to Monster Hunter, which Ben uh, recently brought up. Uh, So if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, which, as we all know, is Thursday every week, uh, you will have one day, if that, to prepare for the release of Monster Hunter Rise on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, But even if you're planning on taking the day off work for it, uh, you will no doubt be... (laughs) annoyed to hear that at least one employer is going that step further and is giving all of his employees the day off in order to play Monster Hunter. Uh, There's a VR development company, Mark On, in Japan, uh, the CEO of which, after talking with several of his employees who told him that they were planning on taking the day off anyway, has decided to celebrate Monhan Day uh, by just giving everybody a day off uh, so they can pick up the game, play it, and uh, have a bit of a long weekend. Now, Ben, I know you're a big Monster Hunter fan. Are you planning on on ce- ce- celebrating the Holy Mon Hun Day? Yeah, so I've pre-ordered the collector's edition because I'm an absolute idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm just hoping it comes early on Friday because I'm moving house on Saturday. And oh, then yeah. I'm starting a new job on Monday. So the Sunday, I'm not going to really be sitting around playing games i'm going to be setting up the new place and things like that so friday is my one day to kind of be like you know if it comes if the package comes at 10 a.m you will not see me until you know 2 a.m and then i'll fall asleep and wake up i want to just dive right into it i think this is excellent um (laughs) just because yeah i i can imagine if a massive game comes out and everybody it's such a phenomenon that everybody in your workplace is just talking and thinking about yeah. going home you're like well why don't you just go home then you you all go play it have a nice time and then when you come in on monday be grateful that i gave you that time off yeah um it, it kind of reminds me of there was this weird urban legend that they released dragon quest in japan on weekends because students always skipped school on a release day so they decided to oh, shift yeah. it to a weekend which i think was kind of untrue joe scrabbles did a great report on it for ign if anybody's interested but things like that like i i love the idea that it's such like a video game can be such a big deal that business is just like yeah let's turn off the lights for the day there's no point everybody's head's going to be elsewhere (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'll be thinking about when when they're going to get to the rathalos (laughs) oh great so what so what, what what do you get for the uh collector's edition of monster hunter rise what makes so it you worth get the, the, um, the extra cash well you get the deluxe edition which comes with some extra armor which is obviously excellent yeah um but then you also get this big amiibo i can't even remember the name of the monster it's one of the new monsters in the game but i've been busy writing about other things so my head's full of other made-up things that video <laughs> games give me um, the perils of video game journalism yeah but no um 
you just get a big amiibo and I know it would be impossible to find. And I have a few up here on my shelf, a few a few little amiibo. And I stopped collecting them because I realized how stupid I was, but I kind of I kind of want to get back into it. And now I've got I've got a consistent job instead of like two month contracts. I'm very excited to nice. actually buy some amiibo. <laughs> nice. Collector's editions. Yeah, oh. That's the first time I've ever bought a collector's edition. I'm not that person. I don't buy every collector's edition. It's hey. the first one. There's nothing to be ashamed of, Ben. I'm deeply ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Tristan, if you're not uh, as much of a big mo- monster hunter head as as Ben is, what one game that's coming out th- this year would you like to be officially given the day off for? Well, okay. So before I get that, I would I do want to comment on the story though, because uh, and also give my history of Monster Hunter, which is very, very, very brief. <laughs> <laughs> I only knew about Monster Hunter because I had a freshman year of high school. So this was uh, 2012, I think, um, somewhere in there, 2012, 2013. Uh, and I, I had a classic guy who talked about Monster Hunter all the time. And I'm like, <sighs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I, I don't understand. And then I played like maybe an hour or two of Monster Hunter World. That was, the, that was like the last big one, right? Um, yeah. Monster Hunter World. Uh, so I played a little bit of that. I just could not get into it. It's just, it's so, it was so much to take in, you know, and there was like the tutorial of it is like the first like couple hours of the game is it teaching you stuff. And I just, I don't have the time commitment for a game like that. I just, I, I just can't, um, you know, there's super cool games and stuff like that, but you know, it, I know this one is reviewing really well and people really love it. Uh, I actually have a um, Gene Park from Washington post actually put up his, uh, review i think it's review there i think it's in progress i don't think they're um i think he's uh, still working on the game so that i think he just put up like an early thing of it or whatever i'm not too sure um uh, but he this is just the headline is monster Hunter rise is the most ambitious nintendo switch game in a long time and he praises it and stuff like that his first literally his first sentence is i can hardly believe a game this large that runs this smoothly exists on the Nintendo Switch, and he even says at the end of the uh, end of the article too. Um, people should go really read it. Gene Park's great. Uh, he also said it's like probably the best one to date, best like Monster Hunter games to date, and it's early, like, easily a contender for Game of the Year for the year. And it's uh, that's wild, and it's not really a thing for me, but it's awesome for people like you guys, the Nintendo fans, because I I'm just not really their games don't resonate with me and stuff like that um but if i had to take the day off for something it'd be ratchet and clank uh i just i love insomniac and i've talked about how much i love insomniac many times in this uh on this podcast and stuff like that so i'd say i would say that or death loop um one of those two mm-hmm. i'd probably just be like hey uh i'm not anyone editing anyone's articles today i'm, I'm gonna be playing games <laughs> <laughs> That's probably nice. how it's going to be. But there is something about Rise I do want to talk about that is actually think mm-hmm. super interesting. Um, at least for it's an m- interesting move on the in terms of the, the development side is. Um, I don't know if you guys n- realize what the uh, engine it's using, but it's the RE engine actually, um, the Resident Evil engine that they developed oh, for Resident Evil Seven yeah. actually, which. The only other non-Resident Evil game to use it so far has been uh, Devil May Cry Five. But I think it's super interesting that they that they were use going to be using that tech and they're kind of expanding that engine, which is a great move because that engine is just 
so impressive like unbelievable yeah. and mm. um especially like what what they were able to do with it with the resident evil 2 and 3 remakes and resident evil 7 mm. um and just from what we've seen of uh village 2 and the fact that they're trans you know putting that into something else like monster hunter i think is a brilliant move and, and it's probably why it's so impressive looking on the switch you know which is a little shocking because that is one thing of nintendo they're always behind everyone else in terms of tech mm-hmm. you know uh in terms of power and whatnot you know apparently they're coming out with a more powerful switch and whatnot which you know we'll yes. see what we'll see what, what that looks like circulating yeah which i think if will eventually come true at least to some capacity you know but yeah um it's super cool that they're actually like this far in and they're actually being able to develop actually impressive games that actually run well on the switch because it's like i remember when they first showed the switch and i'm like this looks really cool and i'm sure some games are gonna be really great like uh, uh breath of the wild was like probably the most impressive game on there but it was mm-hmm. just like but it also made sense that it could still run despite being a massive open world game it's still like this in terms of the art style and like you know like all the how the world was designed and whatnot very much fits the switch you know mm. and this it's like wow i can't believe they're putting this out on the switch and it apparently it's reviewing really well so it's it's quite a shock but really really impressive stuff actually that people are doing with the switch which can be very difficult as a developer when you're trying to make a really impressive cool looking game and you're limited on nintendo always being <laughs> a couple years behind everyone else <laughs> i don't know what their deal is but yeah, that's... I think I think that's why Capcom went for a sequel to Monster Hunter World being just on the Switch. They probably just wanted to focus on it. I think it's really interesting that they used the RE engine as well because mm. they didn't use it for World, and World's gorgeous, like a really good looking game. So I think one, it's interesting that the RE engine is working this well on Switch, and two, that it seems to be like that easy to transfer over. Because from what I played of Rise, it's quite similar to World. It's also really similar to some of the other handheld stuff like Generations and 4. It feels like a bit of a halfway house. But I just think that's interesting. Like If, if they could find a way to do a Devil May Cry spinoff that looks pretty on the Switch or, you know what I mean? Anything like that is just mm. too, very exciting. And I think the, the RE engine makes some beautiful stuff. Everything, every, Anything wet in the RE engine looks wonderful. Uh, so it'd be nice to see some wet things on the Switch. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Never, never thought I'd hear that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think it's it's absolutely the sign of uh, a very impressive and a very versatile game engine. Um, and I hope to see loads more stuff, wet or otherwise, in the RE engine in the future. But yeah, yeah. So, Monster Hunter Rise coming out in a few days' time. Current cur- currently sitting pretty at eighty six on Met- on Metacritic. We'll, oh, uh, nice. See, see if that I, changes at I all before you start com- coming up. Uh-huh, I'll cool. be doing a review for that. So if I can put 11 out of 10, I'll put, I'll put it. <laughs> that'll that'll knock it up to 100. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, people wow. can check out Ben's review whenever it comes out. We'll uh, we'll update readers and what and listeners and next week next week sometime probably next week. Yeah. So yeah. keep Once an eye settled out. in the new place and all. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, that's all the news for this week. Uh, but we've still got plen- plenty in store for you. Today, uh, I want to talk about accessibility in games. It's somehow still a bit of a hot-button topic, I think, in the world of vid- video games and game design and game consumption. Um, 
but for me, like the the most important thing about it is that like in my opinion video games should be for everyone and if there are ways to make that so and to make them not just appealing but like playable to as many people as possible i think that people should do that um but before we like get really stuck into it um i just want to ask you, you 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 guys like what immediately comes to mind when i say accessibility when well, with regards to video games, obviously. I was the first thing. Yeah. Um, for mind? me, I think of immediately like just like seeing disabled game, you know, gamers with disabilities and stuff like that, and like how they can make games more accessible and stuff like that. Like Microsoft has like made some great strides and stuff like that with the technology they've developed and whatnot. Um, and even games too. It's like now it's like when. They, so a developer is like, hey, this, this little presentation of our game, blah, blah, blah. This is what you'll be doing. This is the story. This is the world, blah, blah, blah. And here's some accessibility stuff we'll be working on and stuff like that. Mm. And like, I remember Last of Us 2, everyone was so impressed by like the, the steps it made for uh, um, accessibility. And even like I didn't turn on any of that stuff because I personally don't need it or whatever. But um, I did look through it when I first got that game. I'm like, what's, you know, let's see what the all hubbub is about. And I'm like, wow, this is really extensive. And they even won an award for accessibility at the game awards uh, last year too. Very well deserved. That game deserves all the awards. I think it's great, but it's like stuff like that is like what I, what comes to mind of like, of one who, who that is for, but also um, people or companies that are doing it right and pushing it forward. Yeah, nice. What about you, Ben? I'm a, I'm on a pretty similar page. I think it's it's really effective and affecting to see uh, disabled gamers just talk about it. It's obvious in my mind that gamers games should be every for everyone, but it's also not always obvious. And it wasn't to me until I listened and read about it how many different aspects of a video game can be a barrier for somebody. Mm. It's not just you know physical disabilities and i can't use a controller there's like a, a dozen different ways if you if you're playing a point and click adventure and you suffer from a dyslexia you're going to struggle more with a word-based puzzle probably and things like that and there's so many different layers there and and obviously you know games can't be everything at once and they can't have a slider for every single option but there's a lot more that games can definitely do just beyond colorblind mode colorblind modes and uh subtitle sizes like there's a lot more as the last of us two showed that the game itself can do there's a lot more that the game developers can do like uh nintendo has a quite a long way to go i think with that sort of thing mm -hmm. but then you see xbox just really pushing for it putting out a really reasonably priced controller that kind of allows lots of different people with different dis disabilities to play games and yeah the xbox I think that's adaptive the controller if anybody yeah. wants to look it up yeah, and it's it's only like a, a I don't know a tiny bit more than a normal controller. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, that's the main thing in my head is like when these discussions happen, like you said, they can be a bit of a hot button topic. But the person who's on the other side to where we're coming from often hasn't listened enough, or talked enough, or read enough mm. about it from people with disabilities who just want to enjoy these things that are basically just toys. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, and that's something I think, yeah, everybody should have the ability to do. Yeah. I think like often, 
when when people are approaching this subject from the other side, as as you say, um, I think part of the fear that a lot of them have is that resources that go towards kind of creating options and making con content that is accessible for uh, more people potentially detracts from like say the amount of content in the game overall and they don't like that idea i think it's like i i think that's a bit of a, fa a fallacy um especially since like uh so like there's there's a um a difference i think in the game development process if you're planning for accessibility from very early stages of development and production versus if it's something that you try and throw in much later on and then you've got all this stuff in place and you're having to kind of tweak and change things on the fly in order to try and make it work and then you know you have to pull resources from one area in order to try and fix this thing in another and that does make it harder but if you plan and budget for it from the beginning then as i understand it like there's no reason why uh designing access accessible content detracts from like the game overall and i think as you said ben like part of it is a lot of these people who are against the idea like don't necessarily read or listen as much about it and so they go in with certain assumptions which then kind of have to be countered um but yeah i um so a lot of my reading and listening about it um i attribute to a guy called mark brown on youtube uh and last year or the year before year, year before i think uh he did a series of four videos uh called designing for disability uh he's got a very very chilled out relaxing english accent and just talks through uh, for... Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> I wish, I wish. Um, but yeah, he talk, he talk, he talks through the four, as he sees it, like the four main um, areas of designing for disability in video games, which he sees as um, designing for visual disabilities, uh, designing, uh, designing for people who are hard of hearing, people with Mo, mo, uh, reduced motor function and people with cognitive disabilities, stuff like dyslexia or um, uh, like ep epilepsy and stuff like that. Um, I guess that's a bit of an overlap with the visual stuff, but um, yeah, and and they're fascinating videos to watch. I don't, I don't, I don't think any one of them goes longer than fifteen minutes, so it's not going to take a, a huge amount out of your day. But I would highly recommend people go and watch them because they were really enlight enlightening Oop. and um oh god sorry just kicking my, mic, my microphone over <laughs> sorry for the editing tr tristan no, um, you're, you're but good. yeah <laughs> but yeah i think um as both of you touched on uh it's an issue that has like it's become the the industry has become a lot better about it of late, I, I think, although there are still some companies who are not exactly dragging their feet a bit, but they're just kind of a bit slower to catch up. Like Ben, you mentioned Nintendo, I think, and I'm reminded of, I think it was only last year, like three years or whatever, after the console's launch, they finally updated the 
uh, Nintendo Switch firmware so that you can remap controls, which is like bottom rung. Yeah, that's uh, the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. So that that that's frustrating to see because like they're such a huge player in the industry and like their their whole thing for years and years now has been like we want as many people as possible to play games like it was the whole point of the Wii and all of the motion controlled stuff you know they they enjoyed a huge boom in getting uh younger and older people playing games and they've always said that that's like a huge a huge part of their mo and to see them at best like just not really getting it and at worst not being bothered at all about feels like uh, it feels like they have ignored it a lot as well like just not noticed which yeah. a lot of the industry i feel like is too it's like it's like yeah. especially since you said that max of like how nintendo says these things but their actions don't necessarily show it you know unlike microsoft where feels like their whole catchphrase i'm probably gonna butcher it but you know paraphrasing here but like they're like play everywhere and like you know like anyone can play game just play games you know just play it the way you want <laughs> where you want it and stuff like that phil spencer's really pushed that and i think in terms of accessibility obviously we talked about that controller and stuff like that is they're kind of putting their money where their mouth is you know it's like they're like hey we said these things and we made them and we're mm. looking at you you know gamers with disabilities or any sort of anything that's prohibiting you from gaming the way that you want and the you know, and the games that you want to play, maybe that you can't touch because of this or that, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, that's a two good examples of one doing it right and one doing it not so right, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And and I think we're fortunate that there are a lot of kind of third, third party companies who often step in to fill that gap, but it really should be coming from the big names in the industry. Like I, I, I um, I did a news piece a few days ago on uh, a guy who, so he he was in an accident a few years ago and he's been paralyzed from the chest down, has severely limited motor function in his hands. And he started a, a, a YouTube channel reviewing uh, different games for their accessibility for, some, for someone like him. And uh, he did one on Animal Crossing New Horizons and and ended up um uh he found an app that connected to the switch via bluetooth and kind of sim sim simulated uh the buttons of the joy cons on a tablet or phone screen so kind of en endlessly customizable and you can put them exactly where 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 you want them which is fantastic and like probably very difficult to 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 actually develop but like now that it exists and presumably it's fairly cheap because it's an app on an app store it's not going to break break the bank or anything but uh he w was able to play the game with no problems at all uh e even having severely limited motor function and it's that sort of thing that's like again like it should be coming from the top like i'm really i'm 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 really glad that there are these other companies who are stepping in but it's clearly a a, pro a problem that has a solution or several solutions, in fact, and very few of them seem to be coming from a company like Nintendo, for, 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 for example, which is very frustrating mm. 
to say. Yeah, I think the more it comes out, you know, it's gonna, it's, 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 we're in a movement of it, you know, and we're constantly yeah. getting more and more progress of it and stuff like that, you know, and hope, hopefully within the next, let's say, ten years or so, hopefully less than that, but let's just, you know, just to kind of give ourselves a good window here. Let's say in the next ten years, hopefully it'll be the standard. And it's like, you know, yeah. and it'll be like, oh yeah, 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 uh, we're coming at this game, blah blah blah, and you know. You have your all your standard accessibility stuff, but that standard isn't the bare minimum. It's like the Last of Us Two standard of like, hey, we have all these options for physical disabilities, visual, and like all these different things and whatnot. You know, and tackling all that stuff. Um, I remember mm. there's a, um, I'm blanking on the person's name and who it was, but uh, this is something for Ben and I as we're both huge From Software guys. But there's been a lot of conversations around From Software games of making them more accessible. And sadly, mm-hmm. people aren't like you've touched on before. People aren't very educated on what um, accessibility means necessarily. So people think, "What? I don't want easy mode on my on Dark Souls." It's like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not what it means. You know, it's like you can have a brutally hard game like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, stuff like that, and still it'd be accessible you know just like having options in place for people who are colorblind or people who maybe have some you know uh physical um you know disabilities and stuff like that you know just doing placing things just for those gamers so they can play your games you know you're as a business you want to hit every market you can possibly get you know and it's just like on the financial side of things it makes perfect sense that you would develop these things because then you have more gamers who will buy your game give you money you know yeah but they're money on the table exactly and i think for the executives that's what you need to frame it as like there needs to be like the kind of the lower the people actually making the game needs to go to their bosses and go hey um if we do this we can make you more money and they go oh let's do this then you know like like, that's the best way to frame it but also we need more people just to educate people like educate gamers on what accessibility means and what it is and how in-depth it is too it's because there's a million different things um well, like almost every night i play with a certain group of friends of mine and whatnot we play all sorts of different games from Mystic siege overwatch some valheim and all sorts of stuff but it always messes up one of my friends because he is colorblind actually and so there's certain mm. games that really mess him up um i know among us has done things to try and increase accessibility when that came out we were all playing it and he would constantly uh when we would go into the meeting and you know you would point be like oh i saw blah blah killing so and so involved and whatnot and he would just misname people all the time go this i saw this person i swear and it's like no you you got the color swapped dude that's it's the wrong color and everyone would believe him we go oh it must be this person so they eject that person you know <laughs> killing them and it's because oh they weren't the the, the right they weren't the killer they weren't sus- yeah. the, sus- um, the right you know suspect and we're like oh because it's like you can't see <laughs> you don't know what you're you're seeing exactly and stuff like that and it, it in that case it's it, it's very funny and whatnot but it can be mm-hmm. very frustrating and limiting for people if you literally cannot play a a game especially like an online game like that where it's like it's you know among us isn't the most competitive game in the world but you know anything like that you know any sort of thing where you're you're it's you versus other players and it can be very challenging if you uh can't tell like if it's a very color-based game and it can really be limiting for you Mm -hmm. and especially for games that blow up like that it's like oh man i want to you know catch on the the craze of the game and the trend and whatnot and i can't you know and that sucks Mm -hmm. yeah like we said gaming should feel 
for B for everyone. And sorry, Ben, what were you going to say? No, I just have a bit more sympathy with that Among Us team because there's like four of them and then suddenly they became famous. I think, like, I don't yeah. need Nintendo to make an adaptive controller because you can use the Microsoft one with the Switch or with the mm. PlayStation. It's completely open. I just kind of think they should be banging the drum and leading the way as they are the leaders of our industry. Mm. And it feels like such an obvious thing that the community and, and the game's press is pushing for. It feels like something that is happening among the conversations. And it just seems to fly over the head on that side. Like, I think the discussion about making From Software games more accessible is ridiculous if anybody doesn't agree with it. At the end of the day, they could put an easy mode in those games. If that's the only thing they do to make it more accessible, great. More people should play them and people who find them too hard should be given an easier route in. And, yeah, and if people like, are unhappy yeah. about it, well, guess what? You don't have to play easy mode. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, like, it's, not, exactly. it's not for you. It's not. If it, it's not about you, and there's people who are yeah. like, "What? No, this is about me." I go, "No, it's not. <laughs> it's not about yeah. you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, me. it's like people like pe- people approach these discussions as though somehow the addition of one thing means like mm. the subtraction of another. Like if Dark Souls has an easy mode, then it means that you can't play it on normal mode en- mm. anymore and no of course that's not the case that, yeah that's ridiculous why would yeah. you even think that what, and what also people who does just, it detract from you also, and also it doesn't need to mean easy mode you know it's like people just assume as sex uh, thing you know like something is accessible means oh that must be mean it's really easy it's nope that's not at all what it means and, mm. but for a long time that was the definition of it in terms of games you know it's like well mm-hmm. this game's pretty accessible i think you would enjoy it and basically meaning oh this game's not that hard you you can get yeah. through it you know it's you're like not gonna it's have a tough easy time. to get into yeah and it's like no this we need to really define what these words mean and really integrate it into our language as gamers because you know if you say dlc or fps or whatever any gamer is going to understand what you're talking about mm. now we need to do that for words that actually matter and not just like <laughs> oh what kind of game is that and you go rpg or whatever and you go mm. oh okay you know it's like we need wor- the words that actually have a lot of depth and a lot of um something that's going to actually impact people's experiences and people's lives as gamers and not just rpg versus fps or you know, mm. whatever uh, yeah, yeah. Um, i think i think the dark souls community is especially egregious though of the yeah, souls community agreed because they're the type of people they are who very say, gatekeepy aren't they they're like oh I, I finished the game without summoning and therefore i'm better than the other people who didn't and it's literally a mechanic in the game like i love dark souls so much i did it without summoning and I did it with summoning. It's much more fun to summon people because I wrote, that's, the point, that's how the game's built. <laughs> I wrote a yeah. whole article on uh, what, what I think is the best on, people can find on King Gamer of like what I find the best way to consume those games. And I, one of the things I talked about was playing it with a friend. I The only From mm. Software game I've beaten by myself is Demon Souls. Even then, I summoned, a cup, I summoned some random people to help on a, a boss or two. But Dark Souls 3, I've beaten that game countless times i'm playing it through again for the first time on pc before i beat it a million times on ps4 i've mentioned this on the podcast before because i'm obsessed and i have a problem (laughs) but um i'm still doing it 
despite playing the game so many times and now i'm using magic for the first time because magic is super op and it essentially is does put the game on easy mode that's how i that's how i beat demon souls i wouldn't have been able to beat demon souls by myself mostly by myself <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for magic but even then i'm still playing with my friend with my friend that's the only time i'm playing it it's just with my friend just so we can summon each other and get each other through it he can play it alone but he knows i i'm too intimidated by it and stuff like that but it's it's just the way i like to play his games and it's it's fun i like playing with a yeah. friend and conquering giant bosses that are excruciatingly hard and stuff like that with a buddy is just the way i like to play that game and that's the big thing about video games uh, it's great uh, at least a lot of games there's different ways to play games mm. and if you like to play a game a certain way do it there are weird people in this community who are <laughs> like no this is not the way to play a game well does it affect you no it doesn't all right, you're yeah. not playing this game in like I'm, you're not summoning people, so move on. Yeah, like I saw a guy games. beat Breath of the Wild with his feet. That doesn't mean that everyone <laughs> has to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I think people forget games are built to be played in different ways as well. Like Dark Souls is mm-hmm. a great example. There's easier ways to play Dark Souls and harder ways, depending on your build. There's also like I think about Dragon Quest XI. Everyone said it was too easy, but you don't have to fight any of the monsters in that game so therefore you don't have to level up so mm. therefore the game can be as hard as you want it to be and so it's like it's not too easy you're fighting too many monsters like yeah the game is <laughs> is very malleable and very clearly like you know you're in charge and i think people kind of just decide that their experience is the only experience that anybody could have and i think that's the it speaks to the same thing of gatekeeping but it's like mm. they play the game and they're like so this is what it is whereas games are very very multifaceted things and different for every single person i think at least i don't think me or tristan will have ever played the same dark souls game yet we've played the same dark souls games if you know what i mean yeah exactly absolutely i think that's something that people should remember in every conversation in in most things but especially in games like people have very different experiences of the same thing yeah 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 absolutely yeah the 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 souls games are really they they seem like a really fascinating cat, cat catalyst to me uh, about a lot of these discussions about accessibility and difficulty levels and adaptive difficulty and stuff. And th- the thing I always come back to with them is that despite what so many people say, I, I, I don't think the point of games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne and, and Sekiro is that they are hard. Like... That, that's kind of the very, very top level thing. Like It's, it's very surface it's not, level. Yeah, kind of stuff, but it's about yeah. like it being challenging and you persevering and overcoming that challenge. And so that so there's an, in, an, in, an interview I read this, this afternoon uh, with Hidetaka Miyazaki, who's the, the brains behind the Souls games. And in that interview, it was around the time of the release of Dark, of Dark Souls 3, I think, um, he specifies that he considers there to be a difference between something being difficult and something being unreasonable. And it was something that when Dark Souls 3 was in development, he would occasionally bring up some of the other developers on and be like, look, this, this is what I would consider to be unreasonable. Like it's not an actual like fun, cathartic Dark Souls experience. It's just unfair and people aren't going to enjoy that. That's not actually why they enjoy the game. So maybe we tweak it in, the, in this way and it makes it a lot more satisfying. And 
I think the the crux of the accessibility com- conversation around the Souls games for me comes down to what is difficult for one person, like normal mode Dark Souls, uh, is unreasonable for someone else. Like, say, if you have uh, like a, a, a physical disability, like reduced reaction speed, or like you can't like you don't have the right sort of controller for it, or uh, you might have a mental disability, like you might have difficulty in parsing what's going on on screen or like reading the the signals that the enemy is giving about what attack that they're going to be doing or just kind of su- suffering from sensory overload or something. And, and if you can tweak some of those things to make the situation still challenging, but like for this other person like you kind of reduce one aspect of it say kind of maybe i don't know make the window uh before you get hit by a particular attack slightly wider um like make that an option that people can turn on or off or whatever then you've got more people now who can enjoy the game and play through it and if you don't want to do that, then you don't have to switch on the option. Like yeah, that's like that's fine. <laughs> Dark that Souls. Reminds... Sorry, go ahead, Ben. Dark Souls is unfair if you can't read all the things that it's trying to tell you. Exactly. And yeah. and if a player can't read that, it needs to be made easier. It's also unfair if you can't make do the action you want to do to react as quickly as the game wants you to do it. And yeah. like, I think that's why lots of people find certain bosses harder than other people because certain bosses require different things slightly, very slightly. But people with physical or mental disabilities need those things more, more changed like to the individual, exactly. And the game is constantly unfair if you can't see what the enemy's doing because of sensory overload or something. That that's just means the, the whole game's unfair because yeah. the point of it is watching what an enemy does. So those things have to be in every game in my opinion and you have to have the ability to like put an outline around an enemy or slow down certain animations just because i don't know there's something inclusive about games even dark souls yeah and dark souls community is like about bringing people in i think yeah like when you look at like hey uh, i'm stuck on this boss what's a good way to do it and when the dark when the that community is good it's like oh this i found if you go through this corridor and you hit this wall it will uncover a secret passage or if hey you're stuck on this boss this is like a good way to do it and you know mm. stuff like that it's like really good tips and stuff like that something i do want to mention though it's like because people think difficulty the difficulty settings need to change in terms of what we define it as because the easy normal hard mode thing is out of date completely you know at least i think it maybe depends on the type of game you're playing but like um shadow the tomb raider um had a very extensive difficulty system um so it had the main difficulty thing i think it was easy normal hard and deadly obsession but you can go deeper than that to change the difficulty combat exploration and puzzles. So mm-hmm. if you have some issue, whatever your issue may be, mental, physical, whatever, um, regarding maybe combat, and you can adjust the combat so it's easier, but then you really do want those brain-teasing kind of puzzles and stuff like that. So you set that to the hardest difficulty, and maybe exploration, you set somewhere towards the middle, you know, whatever fits your needs or whatever. And I think that's a, uh, a great 
idea to implement, especially for like a Souls game uh, or really any game at all. Like, you can just be like, hey, um, this game has a lot of exploration, a lot of puzzles, a lot of combat. Um, you know, if you're really into combat and you're not really into puzzles, for whatever reason, maybe you have some sort of issue or maybe it is just simply you're not a big puzzle person. It's just not your taste. So you can set the puzzle thing to super easy. You can breeze right through it and the combat, you can have a very challenging experience, you know, or whatever you want. And I think that's yeah. a yeah. brilliant idea. And, you know, I'm, I personally didn't really like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, but I thought that the steps that game made were really great. And I wish more people would like kind of look to games that are doing it right and go, okay, they're doing it. Last of Us 2 does this this stuff really well. Shadow Team Raiders doing this stuff really well. How can we take that into our game, but also how can we innovate on it and make it even more accessible and keep kind of pushing the boundaries of it instead of just settling and being like, oh, we have a colorblind mode. We're good. You know, and yeah. Like, no, yeah, yeah. No, you got to keep pushing it and get people who are really thoughtful about stuff. And I think that when it comes to game development too, it's just like, it's and this goes into a lot of other things too regarding hiring and whatnot. But hiring people who have these disabilities is also a great way to circulate the conversation internally at these studios instead of having mm. IGN write an article on it or have podcasters like us, you know, or or maybe just your average gamer tweeting about it, you know, and actually mm. ha- start those conversations internally and ha- someone being like, hey. I'm a game developer. I'm working for you guys. I'm a huge gamer myself, but these are issues I have. And maybe my personal experience can help educate the rest of the staff and what we can do for our next big project and what we can do in terms of um, new options and stuff like that. I think is uh, also an important way to get the conversation going and get actual actions taken internally for uh, a development studio or a publisher, really whoever. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, We've seen we've seen bits and bobs of that happening. Like some of the people I follow on Twitter, I think like Steve Saylor and people like that have been brought on as like disability advisors or or probably a different word for it. But basically, Mm. like we want to make sure this is as open as possible. And all that seems to be coming out of it, like Assassin's Creed, which I'm playing through at the moment, has really good, pretty good. It's not as good as it could be. Kind of mutable things like you can change the stealth difficulty, the exploratory difficulty and the combat difficulty and things like that. So it's pretty changeable, but like all that seems to me to be the answer is make as much of your game a slider as you can. Yeah. Make like, and then that seems to really be the reality of it. Like there's very few things like I'm, I'm sure like word puzzles must be very difficult to change the difficulty of if it's based in like language. So the only mm. way to do that is give a hint button and then give an answer button. Like if somebody's taking long on it, be like, do you need a hint? And if the hint doesn't help them be like, you can get the answer if you need Like things like that, I think would be mm. like really nice. I mean, I was playing through the, there's a story game on Xbox called call of the sea. Pretty lovely game. Yeah. I liked it, but, there was one puzzle that just stumped me and it's, it's not that difficult a game. I didn't have trouble with any of it other than one. And it really stilted and halted the story for me. And on a basic mm. gameplay level, I would have liked to be able to just keep flowing with the story. I wouldn't have felt too sad about not knowing how to solve the puzzle, but I couldn't. Yeah. And, and the story stopped flowing for me for that moment. And it kind of muted the ending of the game for me because of that. And that's just 
me on a gameplay level without a disability, without any serious barrier to solving that, just the fact that I couldn't get it. Yeah. I can't imagine anything beyond just I'm stumped. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's funny that you, uh, that you actually mentioned that game. We actually do have a, a review of that game, actually, so people can check it out. Uh, Andy oh. J. Dobson uh, reviewed called the sea action and gave it a, a pretty good score actually a solid eight um huh. so because i knew when you when you said that i was like man that game seems really familiar and i looked it up saw screenshots <laughs> so like that it looks really pretty um something that i was recently playing though and like like you ben i have a tough time with puzzles um i i'm it's not because of disability or anything i'm just dumb that's that's my problem <laughs> I'm, I'm playing through uncharted 4 right now and like there's there was a puzzle i'm like i was just rocking my brain trying to figure out and whatnot and i i just did every possible maneuver i could possibly do it to get through it and i was like eventually i was able to get through just because i pressed everything i needed to press and eventually the character was like oh you got it i'm like all right sweet but i'm just dumb <laughs> that that's basically it but uh what was cool and um because i recently played spider-man um the remaster and then i played through miles morales and it's not the, it's not uh, an option i put on personally just because it, it doesn't uh, I don't think the puzzles in that game are that difficult, but there is a thing where it's like, oh, you for the QTEs, you can just have them be automatic. You don't have to like press anything or whatever, and you're, and you're mm -hmm. solid. Or it's like, hey, you can just skip different puzzles and stuff like that. Not that there's a whole lot in Spider-Man, but there's a there's a couple here and there, and it's like, hey, if you want, you can skip it. It's no big deal. I'm like, oh, cool, you know. Um, it's not so hard for me personally. I'm I'm an idiot, but I'm not that dumb. At least with Spider-Man, Uncharted's another thing. Uh, I probably would get the the pass, uh, the guy um, puzzle free pass or whatever if I could. I'm um, just because I'm an idiot, but it's it's stuff like that. I think is really helpful. And it's like, hey, you can just skip this thing, or hey, if this QTE, uh, maybe your reflexes aren't as good, or maybe whatever you know whatever reason this is too much for you or whatever so like hey you can just have it automatic so there's no there is no qte you know stuff like mm. that is like huge and yeah I think and 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 as you say like they're not forcing it on anybody it's no. it's there for people who who want to take or 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 need to take adva advantage of it but if you're not one of those people just leave the setting alone in the options and you're fine you can play the game your you way yeah, you'll literally forget about it if you never look yeah. at that option. It's yeah, like exactly. just don't go into options, don't go under accessibility. You're good. That there, that that's what it is. You'll never know yeah. what's under the accessibility option because you don't need it or you don't want it or whatever. And it's mm. like or, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. it's, it's just a weird human trait of people being trying to make things about them when it's yeah. not about them. <laughs> yeah. I um I fell in love with Celeste when it came out. Absolutely obsessed yes. with it. Played all of it. And that game is the kind of thing I was talking about where you can change so many different aspects of that to make it easier. Yeah, it I didn't has think about them at all. Mode, isn't it? Yeah, but I didn't think about them at all. I knew they were there, but I thought mm. this is the game I want to play, so I'm going to play it like that. I think some people think that assist modes are like cheats and they're going to do the mother load cheat over and over <laughs> again and get loads of money and ruin the game for themselves. But I think any adult has self-control maybe if you're 12 it's very easy to be playing a game and want to cheat all the time but i don't know i think we 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 know how we like to consume games and we should be allowed to do it as a grown-up in the way that's best for us are you saying mm. you're a responsible adult who can make his own decisions and decide hey i don't <laughs> want to play this game this way so i'm going to play it the way i want to play it instead of 
you know, complaining about it on Twitter. <laughs> and Absurd. Get out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's no crazy, place for man. rational I'm, human beings on this I'm, podcast. I'm <laughs> only just a responsible adult, but just enough to know that Celeste is great, even though mm. it has an in-depth assist mode. I know it's a little yeah, off topic, yeah. but well, just because you mentioned Celeste, uh, I never played it. I know people oh, love that game. You should. You really, you really, you really should. It's on it's, Game Pass. I, I literally said that Pass just PC. to get that reaction in an event. I'm satisfied. We <laughs> can move forward. Maybe I'll play it. Maybe. Is it on Game, game Pass for PC? It was on Game Pass on Xbox. I don't know if it's on PC, but play it. I'll check it's it right now. Sure. Because they, like, it's, they, not, they, it's not my, particularly exp- expensive anyway. Either. I know, yeah, but my big it. gripe with but damn Game Pass is that it will. It's like not everything. Some things are on uh, Xbox, some things are on PC, and it's just so, it's so annoying. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why are you like this Game Pass? You know. But anyways, yeah. Tangent yeah. aside, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll um, might check it out. Get on Celeste, yeah. like it's amazing. Yeah. One yeah, of my I'm, favorite games I'm, ever. I'm yeah, same. I'm 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 a huge Celeste fan, and so yeah, same. Like my first time through the game, I didn't touch the assist mode, although I knew it was there, um, and so I think. If I'm remembering correctly, you kind of have to choose it, like when you start a new game if you want to act, act, activate assist mode. Because I remember like yeah, half, I half, right. half, half, halfway through my, fir- my first game where I hadn't done that, I opened the options because I was like cu- curious to see what it was like and I couldn't access it. Um, but yeah, like if, if you do that at the beginning, then it's there with you for the whole I think it's game. Like- it's like turning on subtitles when you start a game. Like mm. it's the first thing it shows you, but then it, if yeah. you just don't click it, it doesn't appear later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it's great. Like they. So the thing that I re- that I really liked about Celeste's assist mode is that when you, uh, when when they do first give you the option to turn it on, they say like they address this whole question of like difficulty levels and the vision of the developers and stuff. And they say like, so look, we, we designed this game to be challenging, but we never want it to be frustrating for people. And we want as many people as possible to experience it. So if you'd like, we can activate assist mode and it gives you some options that might help you if you feel like you might need them. That's fine. No judgment from us. Go nuts. And I think, I think that's such a, nice way of doing it and and it's re- really important i think when it comes to accessibility and how it's so intricately linked with the idea of difficulty levels and stuff because there are still some games like it was a lot more pr- prevalent in like the shooters of the 90s and the, and and the early 2000s but there are still some that's like oh if you, you know you can play on e- on e- on easy mode which is for babies you huge baby <laughs> it's like yeah well, Nobody I really just played through. Um, I just played through Wolfenstein: The New Order, and mm. I I played it on normal. But if you go down to easy, it puts like a dummy and a baby yeah. hat on BJ Baskovitz, and it's just like grow up. Like, come on, <laughs> I, the person who's clicking on this easy mode, yeah, now d- now hates you. Yeah. Like this person it, wasn't it's going on easy mode, but it's a, yeah. it's a little funny. Uh, to be no, fair, it, I, it, I found it a little funny, but yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I know it is is a, it's a something that you would you would think would be in a game like uh, like in the early two thousands, not a game made. It's like a, it's a Duke Nukem kind mm, of thing. Yeah, and nobody yeah. wants to do a Duke Nukem kind of thing in twenty 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 one. Yeah, they yeah. put that no, no. Uh, that whole thing to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Yeah, no, I think I think it's kind of funny, but like, who's the person who's like gonna laugh at that? 
is already clicking on the hard mode. Yeah. They're not going yeah. near it. They just kind of slide slide down to look at the funny photo, then go back to it. But the person who needs that yeah. is just not going to like your game. Yeah. And and yeah. I think that's the point Absolutely. of it. Like that joke isn't going to land with anybody who needs the easy mode, which yeah, would have been absolutely. me when I was 12. I can play shooters, 13. But I wouldn't have wanted to play that game on easy and I just wouldn't have yeah. enjoyed it. So I don't know. Like it's not it just seems quite nasty to the people who actually need it. <laughs> yeah, and you can have like little funny things about the difficulty settings, but there's a way to do it that's mm. not like insulting people, you know? Yeah. And it's like someone should have been like, hey, um, maybe we we change this up to uh not be kind of demeaning. <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. just a little alteration. Just maybe take out the pinky or something, you know? It's yeah, yeah. Literally yeah. anything. Make it not so condescending. Yeah, absolutely. Insulting. Like sometimes people just want to play easy mode. Like, e like even, like th like this is another thing um, that gets me about a lot of accessibility options. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of them are often beneficial, or at least a bit handy for people who don't necessarily like need them. Like some sometimes I want to play a game on the easy mode because I I'm not really in the mood or the right head head headspace to kind of play through something that might just kind of just be a bit too much it also what i uh, want at that time for accessibility you know? options too it's like or like or difficulty options it can really help our jobs too like like oh, you know, yeah like for people who don't need it it could really help because i saw someone uh, I can't remember. I think I assume that they were from IGN because I, I think that's probably most of the games journalists I follow. Um, either mm. way, they they were posting like, "Hey, uh, just trying to get all the collectibles in Last of Us 2, and they had the accessibility option, so it highlight is everything. All the characters are just mm. blue silhouettes and all this stuff, you know. And mm. uh, the world didn't look like an actual world, you know, because they had all these all the accessibility options on. <laughs> but yeah. there's like these uh these like cards or whatever that you need to collect. It's one of the collectibles in that game. There's a lot of really cool collectibles, but and it highlighted and like a, a yellow silhouette and it's like oh there it is you know and yeah. it's like yeah. that's really helpful and it's so great i say i don't turn on those for for work related related reasons but i do will put them on for um for things that are like difficulty and whatnot and like okay i need to make this guide i'm gonna tone i'm gonna tone down the difficulty to easy just so i can get through this level and yeah. write up like how do you do x thing and x game or whatever you know stuff like mm, that yeah. is just like it's super helpful or if you're um doing a a review and you got it you have a you're playing a normal you have a feel for normal and you're on the last act of the game and you just need to get through it just for the review then swip it swatch it to uh to easy you know and then you can yeah. go okay I, okay i got the ending i have this satisfaction of the story arc or whatever yeah. and now i can write my review and stuff like that yeah it's, it can be very beneficial yeah. for people who don't need it, depending on what your circumstances are. Especially for I us. Remember, I remember when Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition came out. I reviewed that for the site. And I was about 20 hours in after a week. And it's about a 50-hour game. And I was sitting there kind of just thinking, oh, I'm not going to do this in time for it to really matter that much. And I was playing on the expert mode. Because, I'm <laughs> again, like I said earlier, I'm an idiot. Um, and I, no, I'm definitely not an expert at that game. And so I just whacked it. I whacked it down to to easy and blasted through it, and had such a fun time with that game. I mm. love that game, and especially the final third. It can feel like a bit of a slog because it's so long and it's a JRPG, but the story's at its best. 
So if you can, yeah. you know, play the first bit, get a feel for the combat, level up, have a bit of a challenge, but then you're like getting tired of this game, you can actually kind of race through the last bit. Well, not race, it's still a JRPG, but you can get through it quicker than you would have. Walk at a normal pace through the last yeah. bit. I don't think I would have enjoyed, or maybe I wouldn't have even finished that game if it wasn't for the fact that I could do that and also do it on the fly. It wasn't like mm. restart this whole chapter or anything like that. I could just literally do it in, at the end, as long as I wasn't in a battle, I could do it. And mm. I, I think that's, like, I don't see what the big deal about that is. I think Dark Souls or any game that is meant to be hard and doesn't have it could just add it. Make the yeah. enemies have less health and make me have more health. And if you make don't want to put it on, then don't. Yeah, and, and make my weapon hurt more and make theirs hurt less. Like, There's a million like, things you can do, you know? Yeah. Literally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I have to say uh, I'm a real sucker for some good subtitles. Like mm. I I really weirdly enjoy playing a game with subtitles because it always makes me feel like I'm not missing anything. Like mm. a lot of the kind of in, in, incidental conversations and stuff that like especially if I'm playing playing at home um and like I I don't always have the sound on super loud or I'm wearing headphones or whatever so sometimes it's quite quiet and it's nice to know that like i can still see and understand everything that's happening on the screen and it's really sat sat satisfying to get a game with really well designed subtitles as well like ones that follow the like the flow of the delivery and the voice acting re really well yeah. as, as well like with with you know some sometimes there's a reveal or there's like a funny joke with a punchline or whatever and if you just have it all there on screen in one block then you know it's good and you can read it but it kind of loses a little something for me and it makes like that makes it slightly lesser than having the uh I, the actual voice acting you know uh, again that, that has issue. Cool. sorry ben go ahead i was just saying you have that issue all the time in japanese games if you play them in japanese yeah, with english course. subtitles there's often a big villain reveal that's the last word in the Japanese sentence, but the way it's been localized mm. puts it as the second word in the, in the English sentence. Mm. And things like that happen all the time yeah. with the subtitles. You're reading it and you think, oh, there's a big reveal. And then the shot switches to this guy who looks really evil. And you're like, oh, it wasn't, wasn't timed quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. see that all the time with subtitles aren't timed right. A game that has great subtitles, though, is The Last of Us Part Two. And yes, I'm going to bring mm. up that game again. Um, but the subtitles in that game are great. Uh, not only it has all the basic options, just like that, but you can change the like, color of like the speaker and stuff like that, or have it tell you who the speaker is. And that's also a great thing, too. Um, yeah, that's real. That, that's real helpful. I, it's like I had to because I would I, I had to really rush through that game because I I one wrote a review for it and two I had to do a a spoiler cast back when David was the host of uh, the the podcast and so I had to make sure I got the game done I think you know I got I got it for that weekend and stuff like that but then I think we we're recording on Tuesday like we I think we how we record now and I had to make sure I got through that game as quickly as possible and stuff like that. Thankfully it's not that long of a game. It's like, it's, I think I got through in like 24, 25 hours or whatever, but it was great. Cause when I was playing late at night and I didn't want to disturb my family and stuff like that, cause that game is horribly gruesome and stuff like that. And hearing people sound horrible sounds of death and whatnot. So I just turned the sound lower and mm. had the subtitles on and it was, yeah. it really helps out big time. Yeah. yeah. I am. Um... I was replaying the Outer Worlds as well recently. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. 
And and the first time I played that game, either I didn't notice it or it wasn't there. But I always thought the text in this game is so small, and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you couldn't change it. And now you can mm. change it. Uh, I'm sure I'm I'm like ninety nine percent certain it was added after I played the game. I and, think you might be right. I I feel like I remember reading that somewhere. And I whacked it up like plus six from the neutral point. Like went up and up and up. And I was just like, this is amazing. The bigger, the better. Like, and it, and it like genuinely made quite a big difference to the game. It, it felt like I could mm. look at the characters speaking more because like it was less like refocusing up and down and things. And yeah. like that was like I was really excited to see that. And I don't have any visual impairments other than what my glasses fix. So, so like uh, I do want to comment. You you were right because uh, you were kind okay, of a little good. uncertain if if that was true yeah there's a polygon article actually from october 25th 2019 and there's on the same day there is a a, a reddit thread too on the outer world saying the subtitle font is uh is awful and the polygon article says that outer world's uh, text is too small and um so people can check that out too and then uh mm. it was it seemed like it was around march when they fixed it because um or okay. around that time because there's like a kotaku article basically saying hey the text the font size is going to about to get bigger and that there's an update coming and stuff like that so yeah it was definitely nice. uh updated yeah right and and, and like, stuff like that release. was and things like that like changed the game for me in like an exciting way and I, and that's for some somebody who doesn't have a dis- disability so mm. i can't imagine the feeling of delight anybody with a disability must have when their lives made even slightly easier so that's like kind of the best way I think of it is it's like just changing this text size made me happy. Imagine what it does to somebody with like serious visual impairments changes yeah. their life. It gives them the ability to play amazing games. And I think that's yeah. where the main, the main place the discussion needs to come from is like, who wouldn't want you to play their game? Yeah. Like yeah. you should, as a developer, I assume you want everybody to play your game unless they're, evil <laughs> you know that's the only way i could think of like <laughs> wanting to say somebody can't like you're evil yeah. so you don't get it that's the only way i could yeah. put it in my head yeah um, yeah like i i feel like a lot a lot a lot of people like to try and put words in miyazaki's mouth about the souls games about like what kind of players he wants playing his games yeah. but f- from the handful of interviews and stuff that i've read with him like that doesn't seem to match up at all like no, not at all. He, he loves making games and he loves people playing his games and as we touched on before like he doesn't want them to be hard just for the sake of them being difficult yeah you know? and we've all played games like that too we've all yeah. played games that are unfair at, at being hard and there's games yeah, that are fair often but worse. hard they're not fun. the unfair games are a lot worse yeah 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 but yeah like there's but i think there's... um i think well i think no, i think no, souls ahead. games and celeste come from the same place i think they are like the same vibe like celeste has that option but celeste knows it's meant to be challenging they're both games about overcoming challenge like their stories kind of are intertwined with the idea of difficulty yeah. Souls does that and Celeste does that and Celeste keeps it with the accessibility option. So there's proof that you can have the hard game that's challenging for a reason but make it easier for certain people and not lose the meaning of it because the meaning of Celeste came through for a lot of people very strongly mm. and I'm sure the same would be said for a lot of other games that are hard. 
Yeah, yeah. And and for all the discussions swirling around the Souls games, like I don't know if I have seen anybody complaining about Celeste having an assist mode. And I don't know yeah. if I've seen anybody saying, oh yeah, Celeste, that really famously easy game. You know, <laughs> like it's it just doesn't happen. So people should stop being so precious about the Souls games, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Or just, yeah, games in general, just like hey, games I think op- open the doors, open the. Open I think a lot doors. of a lot of Souls players seem to think that they discovered the Souls games, mm. whereas like none of them will have played Demon Souls when it came out, or at least not <laughs> none of them, but most of them will have found out around maybe Dark Souls One and thought, oh, I'm one of so few people who's found this thing, and they're so probably niche, quite so cool. precious about it because now it's like a big thing, and they're the hipsters who are there first. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, at least exactly that's what the vibe that, I get. It's exactly yeah. that. You, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there's there's so much to this subject on honestly. Like we've we've talked for the better part of an hour about it, and I feel like we've still kind of barely scratched the surface. But I think yeah, ultimately, especially as people who don't have like those issues, you know, and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. That that's like the other main thing. Like I mean, I can't I I can't speak for 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 either of you, but I don't have a disability of my own i'm merely talking from like what i've read and watched and listened to yeah but but ultimately all of us like designers and players and everyone involved in the industry should be seeking out and listening to people with disabilities who and, and there are plenty of them who are clamoring to be heard we all i think just kind of need to there are a lot of uh, out- outlets and individuals online who are super easy to find. Like I mentioned um, Mark Brown's Designing for Disability series uh, uh, earlier, just going to plug plug that again because that's very good. There are sites like Can I Play That, which is a great, re- which is a great resource. Uh, and there are loads of disability-focused games people. Like uh, I think, Ben, you mentioned Steve Saylor earlier. Um, and there are game designers who are specific, specific, specifically focused, uh, particularly on accessibility people like Ian Hamilton and Cherry Thompson. You can find all them on Twitter and various other outlets. And then, you know, through them, you can find others as well. So I, I would heartily encourage all, all, all of our listeners, and I hope you guys would agree with me, like seek out these people and see what they're saying and just learn a bit more about the ideas and the concepts behind accessibility in games no it's uh, like hugely like important. i said at the beginning i my eyes like, i already agreed that you know accessibility should be a thing but until i really until i listened and read about it i didn't understand how much there was to the conversation and i think just having that act like accessing that information then really changes the way you understand games mm. and that and how much they they need to do really to help people absolutely yeah but yeah i think that'll about do it for us for today unless you guys have any any last nuggets of wisdom to add um i should insist that uh tristan plays celeste yes i i, I second this one day play it it is on no. my steam wishlist now i'm i'm not gonna play sunset overdrive until you play celeste How about that? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. I, I have to play it. That's now. fair. <laughs> it's fair. It is fair. Um, yeah, I think the last thing I'd say is uh, 
rather than listen to us, go listen to people who actually have disabilities. Like you mentioned Steve yeah. Saylor and some of these other people and stuff like that. And it's like, listen, you know, really listen to people and stuff like that. You know, if you're not in that loop of that conversation, well, you should be and educate yourself. It's not that hard, honestly. Yeah. And uh, make games for everyone. Let's do ab- that. Ab- absolutely. Educating yourself mm-hmm. is very cool to do and you should all do it. Absolutely. It's but great yeah. fun as well. Yes. It's excellent fun. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's about all we've got time for today. Thank, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can catch the Keen Gamer podcast every Thursday on keengamer.com. Uh, we've got a rotating cast of delightful video game media professionals who will be caressing your ears with wonderful chat. Um, and yeah, go ed- go educate yourselves. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, happy Monster Hunter Day. See you oh, next yeah. time. Happy Monster Hunter Day. And why do you use the word caressing, uh, Max? <laughs> That's Anyways. going to be the new new sign off is caressing every yeah. week. We have <laughs> no. to put it in at the end. What have I done? I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll see you next time. Thank you.